My name is Judy Farley and I'm a professional support lawyer in the corporate division in London uh, with Herbert Smith Freehills. I'm going to talk briefly today about the impact of Brexit and the end of the transition period on contract law issues. We're still waiting to see whether there will be an agreed trade deal between the EU and the UK before the end of the transition on 31st of December this year. But for contract issues, it doesn't really make a great deal of difference whether or not there is a deal. So before we get into the nitty gritty of Brexit transition related contract issues, a quick word on the impact of Brexit, or rather the, the lack of impact on the choice of English law as governing law. We saw a number of questions following the referendum about the wisdom of continuing to use English law, particularly from overseas parties. But in summary, nothing has changed. The key attractions of English law remain the same. The extent to which English law respects freedom of contract is a great advantage. So parties know that the court will generally seek to give effect to the bargain that they actually reached with only limited scope for implied terms or the influence of public policy. In addition, English contract law is viewed as stable and predictable. It's a well-established system of law, which doesn't tend to go off in completely unexpected directions, given the common law's emphasis on precedent and incremental development. But at the same time, it's also flexible enough to adapt to new developments in commercial practice, so that the courts are perfectly capable of applying existing principles to new situations. And as the core principles of English contract law relating to things like formation, interpretation and damages for breach all come from the common law, not from EU law, they're unaffected by Brexit and the end of the transition period. It's really only in specific areas such as consumer contracts that English contract law has been significantly affected by EU law and we're not going to look into that today. It's important to realise that while Brexit and the end of the transition period will not affect the principles governing interpretation of contracts, there may be questions as to how particular terms should be interpreted. So first of all, a reminder of the principles that the English courts apply in interpreting contracts. Under English law, the court's aim in interpreting a contract term is to determine the meaning it would convey to a reasonable person with all the background knowledge available to the parties at the time the contract was made. The factors that the court will take into account as part of that exercise include the natural meaning of words, the meaning of the contract as a whole, the factual matrix and commercial common sense. The natural meaning of the words used is obviously very important, but the other factors are important too. The court will look at the contract as a whole and how the relevant term fits into that context. It will also look at the relevant background or factual matrix known to the parties at the time of the contract. And it will look at considerations of commercial common sense too. The factors that won't be taken into account include hindsight or how the contract was performed or pre-contractual negotiations or evidence of the party's own subjective intentions. All of these are strictly speaking irrelevant. As well as interpreting the express terms of the contract, the court may also imply a term. 
but the bar for doing so is set high. The term either must be so obvious as to go without saying, or must be necessary to give business efficacy to the contract. These aren't easy hurdles to meet. So moving on now to consider some key questions that you should be asking when reviewing existing contracts. The key point is the timeline of the contract. Is it a fixed term contract which expires before the 31st of December, or does it run until a date after the end of the transition period? Even if the contract term expires um, or the contract has been performed prior to the end of the transition, there are still reasons to consider the impact of Brexit and the end of the transition. For example, if there are provisions which have a continuing effect, such as restrictive covenants, or if there is a chance that you will need to bring enforcement action post 31st of December 2020. We're not covering jurisdiction and enforcement issues in this session, but please do refer to the separate session on those points. If the contract does consider it continue into 2021, consider whether the end of the transition period will affect the substance of the contract, so the commercial deal between the parties. For example, is it a cross-border trading relationship that may be significantly impacted by currency exchange rate fluctuations or by changes in tariffs and taxes? If that is the case, consider whether one or both parties may have a right to terminate or renegotiate the contract, either generally or as a result of a Brexit or end of transition related event. Check the contract for any minimum notice periods and note that a party may have additional rights as a matter of law. The prospect of termination could be used to encourage renegotiation, but make sure that you don't give the other party grounds to claim damages for, for wrongful termination. And then also think about the terms used in the contract which refer to the EU or EU bodies or EU legislation. How should those be interpreted now that we're outside the EU? So first of all, looking at references to the EU itself, there may be all sorts of reasons why a contract will refer to the EU. For example, it may be in the definition of the territory of an agent or distributor, or it may be in a restrictive covenant following a business sale. The obvious question is whether those sorts of references in existing contracts should be interpreted to mean the territory of the EU at the time the contract was entered into, so that the UK is included, assuming that the contract was entered into before we left the EU, or the territory of the EU from time to time, so that the UK is excluded. Everything will depend on the facts and circumstances of the individual contract. Secondly, where a contract refers to EU legislation which no longer applies to the UK following the end of the transition period, questions may arise as to whether this means the relevant legislation as it existed at the time, or any legislation enacted to replace it post 31st December 2020. The ideal situation would be that the contract expressly provides what the reference should be taken to mean, but that won't be the case in many contracts. So what's the position then? 
At common law, there is no presumption as to how statutory references should be interpreted. That is, should they be a reference to the statute as at the time of the contract, or alternatively, a reference to the statute from time to time, so that any amendments are included. The Interpretation Act provides that a contractual reference to legislation that has been expressly repealed and reenacted is taken to be a reference to the reenacted provision, subject, of course, to contrary provision in the contract itself. But there is no such presumption where legislation is just amended rather than being repealed and reenacted. And in any case, here we're talking about EU legislation that has simply ceased to apply as a result of Brexit and the end of transition, rather than being expressly repealed. So the Interpretation Act may not be relevant. So the courts will have to interpret statutory references using the principles of interpretation that we just looked at. As an example, what about a contract which refers to an EU regulation? Under the UK 2018 EU Withdrawal Act, EU regulations are incorporated into UK law after the transition period. So does the contract reference mean the UK version of the regulation, the EU version or both? If the contract is between UK parties, a court is more likely to interpret the term as meaning the UK version of the regulation, but it becomes more complicated where there is an EU nexus to the contract. And although the practical impact may not be significant while the UK and EU versions of the regulation in question remain the same, it will become much more of an issue as the two versions diverge over time. So finally, looking at considerations for new contracts. There are similar considerations to the ones we looked at in relation to existing contracts but with the obvious advantage that you can deal with the issues by express drafting. So, for example, if the commercial deal between the parties could be affected by the end of the transition period, consider adding an express right to amend or terminate the contract. And bear in mind that a short contract term may be an appropriate option as it could allow you to renegotiate terms with a clearer idea of the impact of the end of the transition period. For further information on contract law issues related to Brexit and the end of transition, we have a section on our Beyond Brexit legal guide. This is available on our website. Also note that you can subscribe to our Brexit Notes blog to keep up to date with our latest external materials. Many thanks for listening. Goodbye.